0: I thought about uh, saying some things during praise and testimony, but then I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to be up there in a minute anyway, without my sermon notes. (laughs) Okay, I don't know where I have them. Uh, So flash up my uh, PowerPoint up there, and, and everybody get a look at that. Be interesting because I have it on my laptop, <laughs> which is at home. So let's go with this. I'm going to start though giving a, a little report from Cocolala because uh, uh, I, we, I, I thought I'd just share that for a little bit before I jumped in. And, and we had a, a great time at Coquilalla. Um I brought the hip, hip, hippopotamus song. And uh, if you don't know that song, they didn't know it either. And the first night I'm up there and I'm doing the, I don't, I'm, I stink at motions, first of all. And the only motion I could do was to try to do a hippo. So I'm going, hip, 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 hippopotamus. And everybody was laughing at me like I was the world's greatest clown. But by Tuesday night, they were fighting for the chance to get up there and, and help lead. Uh, and and it, was, it was a ton of fun doing the hip, 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 hippopotamus song, which is a song about creation, if you don't know. In the beginning, God made the seas and the forest filled with trees. He made the mountains up so high. Skip to the fun part. But some things he just made for fun. <laughs> and uh, you get to the hippopotamus and... Tuesday night, uh, I did the broadest, maybe it was Monday night, I did the broadest, broadest, most broadly worded altar call I've ever done. Uh, I asked, uh, told, basically, if you're already saved, stay where you are. If you absolutely know you don't want Christ, stay where you are. Everybody else get up and go to the back. (laughs) And they did, because they're little kids, and the cabin leaders had a wonderful time to to visit and talk with them. And I have no idea how many decisions may have been made or or may not have been made, but... uh, there you go. So, so, as well as I can do this off, off my memory, wondering what in the world I did with my uh, sermon notes, um, we're going to look at the, the, the question that we're discussing is where are we in the prophetic timeline? Okay, so this is obviously the timeline itself, and we're going to simply look at what a basic prophecy timeline is. Uh, it starts with the cross. And it ends with eternity. Okay? Uh, And uh and and this is just you know time in between then and now. And and where are we and what's what are the main things that are gonna happen? So we're going to look at what are the elements of the basic prophetic timeline, number one. Two, where we are and why I think that, and three, what are we going to do about it? So I remembered my introduction. Let's see if I can do with anything else here. Okay, this is the seven-year tribulation, and and this is, by the way, not to scale, so don't try to figure this out. somewhere there's going to be a seven-year tribulation and and to the dismay of some of you and and maybe the relief of others I'm not going to try to pin where the rapture is going to happen it's either going to happen here here or here (laughs) okay Uh, and and there's going to be a rapture where the believers are all taken away to join the Lord in the air Uh, and uh, I I do not think it's that important or worth the fight of, of, of dealing with just where it's going to be if we're lucky it will be here If it's not here, if we're lucky, it will be here. (laughs) Uh, You know, we pray for here, we prepare for here. That's wisdom in my mind. Uh, But uh, if it's here, you know, hallelujah, uh, we don't have to go through the tribulation at all. If it's the mid-tribulation, we just go through the warm-ups. If it's at the end, then we are going to go through the whole stinking thing. Uh, but there's going to be a seven-year tribulation. That's just simply inescapable. That's going to happen. Okay. The return of Christ is going to come at the end of the tribulation. He will come down. His feet will hit the Mount of Olives. There's going to be earthquakes. Uh, all the bad guys are going to be dealt away with. Yeah. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to enter this thing called the Millennium. It's called the Millennium because Millennium means a thousand years. They turned this phrase before the Millennium Falcon. I don't know what Millennium means with Millennium Falcon. Falcon, but most people, they hear millennium, they're waiting for the word falcon to follow anymore. That's the world we live in. But, but that's going to be followed by a thousand years with Christ reigning on the earth. Okay, He's going to reign on the earth. He's going to have a throne in Jerusalem. Uh, the nations will flock there. They will, they, they will, people will still live uh, and die, but it says, it, "...he who dies uh, at a hundred will be thought a child or, or an infant." Uh, he'll he'll be mourned at a hundred, and that doesn't mean we're going to get old and hobble around. Uh, you know, if, if you were to be born into this thing, you're going to live a healthy life, a healthy long life with spryness and, and agility and all those cool things. But at the end, uh, Satan is going to be, Satan's going to be in prison all this time. This is actually. The, the thousand years are defined by Satan's prison term. He, he, the, the Bible says, "Throw him in, in the in the pit for a thousand years, and then release him." And so, those thousand years are Satan's prison term. That's why it's not a symbolic number. Some people, by the way, we're we're considering this option only. Some people are what we call all millennialist, uh, which means there really isn't a millennium; it's it's a symbolic term. I'm not sure what it means. Uh, Post millennialist millennialists say the millennium is going on now, and at the end of the millennium, then we'll enter the tribulation, and the millennium is a symbolic term of something. What we find in Revelation, we find the word thousand repeated seven times uh, in this one short span, and it's describing Satan's prison term. And because it is a prison term, it's not symbolic, it's, it's true, it's literal. Okay, so that's my take on it. That's going to happen. So we're looking at the, the 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 this period. At the end of that, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to. P- Peter says uh, all these things will be dissolved with fire. Uh, since it's going to be dissolved with fire, it's going to end this way. How should we then live? And he's really getting our point, our attention down. Uh, we better live in light of. Uh, this thing right here. We are going to enter a new heaven and a new earth. At that point, there will be no more death, no more crying, no more tears. He will wipe away every tear. We'll only know happiness. In the meantime, we live in this thing that is called you can call it the age of grace you can call it the church age you can call it whatever else you want those are the basic terms that it's called in and so the big question is where in this church age are we and we have our scripture reading that we read 1 thessalonians uh, chapter five verses one through uh, five that basically say uh, take your best guess nobody really knows but it also says be watching be watching so that it doesn't take you by surprise. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 <clears throat> Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's another way of saying you don't know when it's coming. He's coming like a thief in the night. You don't know. If you knew the thief was coming, he wouldn't surprise you, right? But he does. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But then he says this. You are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day... For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night of the darkness. So then, not, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. So he's telling us we're not like them. You know we are. We are to pay attention. We are to be aware. Uh, he tells us in, in Matthew 25 or 24 to watch the signs. Let me skip there real quick. Matthew chapter 24. He talks about the fig tree. Uh, verse tw- uh, chapter 24, verse uh, 36. Is that th- what it says? Thirty-two, from the fig from the fig tree, learn lear- from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, so you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Uh, and then he goes on and talks about this generation, which is. Uh, something we're not going to get into right now either. But, but he tells us to watch the signs to be aware. So when I look at this and I talk about the signs, where do I think we are? And the answer is really close to there. Okay? I, if in my opinion, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because I have some very specific reasons for saying this. In my opinion, we are really close to there. And, and, and for, so, so just you know, moving on to why, uh, why would I think this is, is looking at the signs? The very first, uh, it, there are some that are sneaky and deceptive and there are some that are so big and obvious it's like the reason you don't see it is because it's just so accepted. For instance, the nation of Israel right? It, it, Israel has been a nation for 70 years now, and it's really easy to take that for granted, but, but uh, it, there's, there are prophecies. In 2 Thess- Thessalonians, it talks about the Antichrist, the Christ, the man of lawlessness, taking his seat in the temple, declaring himself to be God. Well, if there is no temple, because there is no Israel, you can still say, well, there is no temple, Steve. No, you're right, there is no temple, But, but... But three and a half years is enough time to build a temple, right? Uh, th- in fact, that would make perfect sense. That that if they started here and when they are, uh, what do they call it? When they reveal some new building, the dedicate. dedicate. When they're dedicating the new the new building, that's when he came in and would would come in and take a step. It makes perfect sense. Take a seat. It makes perfect sense uh, that that would happen. And and but it, it does happen, by the way, at the halfway point of that uh, the, the, that he breaks the treaty according to Daniel so, so there's this, the temple is not an issue as far as that goes but the Israel being a nation is an, is, is an issue Israel as a nation the, the temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD in the first Jewish revolt uh, in the next century there was what they called the Bar Kokhba revolt I forget what year it was like 120 or something like that and that is when the Romans officially dissolved Israel so 70, 70 A.D. they did not dissolve Israel, but in something in the area of 120, they officially dissolved Israel. They got rid of it. Israel was no longer a nation. It was no longer a place with its own governance. It was no longer a place uh, where they made their own rules, and the, 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 the Jewish people were dispersed around the world uh, as they knew it, uh, and we find them in in. Uh, in Italy, we find them in Spain, we find them in England, we find them in, in the Germanic countries and all those things. And of course today we you know we have them in the United States, we have them in Russia. But they were dispersed everywhere. And, and so for 1,900 years, 1,800 years is probably a little bit more accurate, there was no nation of Israel. And not only not only that, it was inconceivable that there would be another nation of Israel. Uh, it, it's just, you go, how could this possibly be? How could they possibly get that back? And so what happened is theology adapted itself to the what was viewed as the impossibility of Israel becoming a nation. And so we came up with things where the church Replaced Israel where um, uh, these are these are symbolic, they can't be taken literally. But in 1948, Israel was given back the, the land and became a nation, and all these things that were thought they had to be symbolic can now be interpreted literally. And and the fact is they could be interpreted literally anyway. Uh, you know if, if we were theologians in 1947 <laughs> and and we should still be able to say these will be literally applied if we were in 1848 we still should be able but you know we are the, don't don't think well i have better faith than those people you know we are we are at the privileged time when it's easy for us to see how this can all be literally interpreted because israel is a nation because Israel is a nation and Israel is secure, you can say, well, they always talk about attacks. I, I heard the other day they were talking about the, 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 the size of Israel's army and where it stands in the world. And I think that it was number six. You know, and you go, Israel has only seven million people in the entire country. They have the sixth biggest military or the sixth most effective military in the world. And the answer is, Yeah. Yeah, these people are scary. <laughs> uh, and and they, are, they are not likely to be attacked by their enemies. So Israel is, is, is in its nation. We can look at that. We can look at, at the, the Antichrist taking a seat in the temple. We can say, yeah, I can see how that could happen. Uh, we, we can look at uh, the people, the two prophets in, in uh, Revelation chapter, I think it's 13. Uh, two prophets are going to t- prophesy at the temple at the temple court. Let's see, it doesn't look like it's 13. 11. Chapter 11. I'm going to go ahead and turn my light on. Helps me a little bit. Uh, then I was given a measuring staff, like a rod, measuring rod, like a staff, and I was told, "Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for forty two months, which means three and a half years uh, and I will grant authority over my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for one thousand two hundred and sixty days, which means three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. Uh, and it goes on and discusses these two guys, but it has them prophesying outside the temple. Okay, this can be understood literally because Israel has the land. It could not be understood literally. It had to be symbolic. It had to be explained away. It had to be you know, understood somehow, but not literally, and it can be understood literally now. Uh, there are, There's... Uh, Another event, I didn't put an image up for this thing, but there's an event coming, there's a war that we find in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 called the Battle of Gog and Magog. Now, we find these two names again at the end of the millennium, so some people think there's one battle at the end of the millennium called the Battle of Gog and Magog. But when we look at at Ezekiel chapter 38 and, and look at the nations involved in Ezekiel chapter 38... Uh, we find some interesting things. And, of course, these names are a little bit speculative. We don't know for sure who they are. <clears throat> uh, starting at verse 1 of Ezekiel 38, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog. Hence, we get the name, Battle of Gog and Magog. Okay? Uh, Gog is the prince of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech, which is often thought to mean Moscow. Okay? Uh, and Tubal, uh, prophesy against him, and say, that, and say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out, and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords, Persia, which is Iran, uh, Kush, which is Libya, Put, which is Ethiopia, if I have it right, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, they think, is uh, Turkey, uh, and all his hordes beth togram from the uttermost parts of the north with all his hosts many peoples are with you and so you have this 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 uh collusion of nations invading israel and it goes on and describes how they invade israel and and will be utterly destroyed and israel will uh take this the the garbage the the scrap left behind and fuel their their economy for seven years <laughs> which sounds pretty convenient uh and, and so uh uh, Israel will be attacked the battle of Gog and Magog. Now some people think this is going to happen in the tribulation, I am among those who believe this is actually going to happen before the tribulation. Uh, It doesn't, in my, as I look through the tribulation events, I don't see how this fits with the other things that are happening there. I don't think this is describing something at the end of the millennium only. I think there's going to be two battles, same name. Uh, And and we find that kind of thing frequently in scripture. Uh, And so if that's going to happen, then this is the next event on the prophetic timeline, this battle of Gog and Magog. And if this is the next event, what has to happen for it to, to, to be likely? Well, you know what? If you are paying attention to the news, where is Russia today? You know, Russia is in Syria today and has been for a year. That should not only, that's not only a thing where you say, this is possible, that is, that is alarming. Yeah. I mean, that is something that should cause you to go, wow, This could happen any minute. Would it be hard right now for Russia to make an alliance of of Turkey and Syria and Iran and and Libya to attack Israel? And the answer is, no, that would not be hard at all. They could put that puppy together right now and invade with overwhelming forces. Because even if Israel has the sixth largest army in the world, what does Russia have? (laughs) You know, they're probably actually number three. I think China's probably number two. Uh, but, but then you take all these other guys and the hatred of Israel that is there, the, the economic be- benefits of taking that land, the only productive land in the area outside of oil production, uh, the only, by the way, ally of the United States, and what we find is this is something that is very possible it could happen now. And so the, 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 the existence of the nation of Israel is huge prophetically speaking, the fact that the nation is there uh, in in ways that 100 years ago, because people have have always said, by the way, if if you're not aware of this, you know, Y2K, people were thinking about this kind of thing. At Y1K, they were thinking about this thing. (laughs) Around the year 1000, they were really excited because they thought it meant Christ was returning, and he let them down, you know. But we look at that, and we can get excited. We don't know. We don't know. But if we're looking at the signs, I'm saying that fig looks really ripe. Uh, when I look at that. So we look at some other things that are going on, and we look at the, the telecommunication ability that our nation has, not our nation, that our world has. If something happens on the Tokyo stock market to, to, uh, today, it affects New York today, which affects the rest of the world today, A- and 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 the commerce connections. You know, uh, Trump is imposing trade bans, or at least, you know, Using them as bargaining tools, I'm not sure exactly everything that's going on there. But but the the world economy is so inter interrelated today, uh, the the so that we have the economy is interrelated. We have we have the, the communications is interrelated. We have we have uh, um, desire. For more of that, you know, the United Nations uh, is is something that many of us don't necessarily hold in high respect, <laughs> but much of the world does, and it is a powerful tool for uh, of those who want to unite the entire world into essentially one world government. Many people see that as the answer to many of the problems the world has, and they see the, rem- the one one world economy as essential to or, or helpful to the world, an answer to the problems the world has, and and then you have that whole. Ability to, to take a tiny little chip implant and put in your wrist and, and, or your hand and scan it over the thing. And nobody can steal from you anymore without stealing your hand, which while it may make a great visual effect on a spooky show people really don't go around stealing hands all that often you know I it it would be a pretty rare thing you'd have a theft proof thing and by the way if you want to be able to track your children of course you don't realize you're saying you can track everybody but you know all those things there's so many reasons why people would like to do it and it is so doable today uh, so we have we have technology, we have communication, we have commerce, we have Israel, uh, we have so many reasons. And by the way, be, just because it can doesn't mean it must, right? Just because these things can happen, and there's there's absolutely nothing in the prophetic timeline that we look at and say, I don't know how how, how this could be done, uh, because everything that's there could be done, even making a, a, an idol speak. Because you know, I remember. Uh, in in the 1960s, seeing going into the haunted mansion in, in Disneyland and watching ghosts appear and dance, and they were 3D, and I'm going, wow, you know, and, and uh, I I figure there's got to be steps of technology beyond that, but you know I believe in the Hulk anymore, so it's, it's got to be real. I saw it on the movies. Okay, um, all these things are all these things are simply doable, and, and and the fact that they are doable says the fig is ripe on the tree. And, and I just plain don't see what else we need to have happen. And, and I'm, I don't have my notes in front of me. Those are what are jumping out at me. Can anybody think of another thing that I've missed since... does uh, the knowing the Antichrist and the Antichrist servicing to the, the, the tribulation is going to start. Good question. Where, when does the Antichrist come in? Where does knowing him come in? Uh, the tribulation... Begins, there, there is a very specific event that begins this seven-year period. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, or Daniel chapter 9. Let me get this right before I... Uh, my brain is, is jumbled. Daniel chapter 9. Um, we have the 70 weeks of Daniel. And it is the seventieth week that we're talking about when we talk about this tribulation week and uh let me start at verse twenty six uh, as he's describing this, and after the sixty two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. That's describing Jesus Christ, the anointed one. The word Messiah means anointed one, okay um, let's see, he shall be cut off and have nothing uh and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary its end shall come with a flood and to the end there shall be war desolations are decreed now listen to this in verse 27 he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week a seven year period Okay, and for half the week he shall put an end to sacrifice uh, and ab- an offering, and on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. So there's, there's going to be a seven-year treaty. Halfway through the treaty, uh, the, the prince of the people who is going to come will break the treaty with those he made the treaty with. The Antichrist taking his seat on the throne, as we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So the the treaty is the seven-year period. The the seven-year period begins with the signing of that treaty. So if the rapture is not pre-trib, and we live to hear of someone leading nations in signing a treaty with Israel for seven years, we know exactly who the Antichrist is. It's that guy who signed the treaty with Israel or led, the, led them into doing it. We will know who it is. Now, the problem is we will say, hey, world, that's the Antichrist, and the world will say, you stinking crazy Christians. <laughs> you know, who do you think you are? This guy just made peace. You've been praying for the peace of Jerusalem for 2,000 years. Someone finally does it, and you call him the devil. And we'll say, yeah. <laughs> and they'll say, you're nuts. You know, you guys are, and, and uh, anyway, uh, so, so uh, we, we do know some things very specifically. Now, if, if pre-trib is right, we will, we will not know who the Antichrist is unless we're able to sit on a cloud and watch you know, and know what's going on down on earth, which I think, even if we can, I'm not looking down. You know, I'm looking up because that will be a way better view. Uh, but, but who knows? You know, there, there's so much we don't know about those things. So, so these are, again, these are the major things we're looking at. And so the question then comes, because, comes to us is, so what? So what? What do we do then? And, and uh, um, the first answer I want to do is take us to Matthew chapter 25. Because this is in direct context of Jesus prophesying about um, the temple, about, about these days. And then he says, no one knows the day or the hour. And then in 25, he, actually let's start in 24, he, tell, he tells some parables, right? Uh, first of all, Matthew 24, uh, verse 42, therefore stay awake. For you do not know on what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then he gives this parable. For who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, begins to beat his fellow servants, eats and drinks with the the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect. At an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. Uh, In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, the answer is, when he comes, be found doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? The, the, because you know we've had two thousand years uh, of falling asleep. We've had two thousand years of saying life goes on the way it has always gone, and, and I'm talking about the church. But let's look at Second Peter for a second. They will say, the second Peter verse four, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep. All things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They will say that. It says they will say that. everything We have, we, we have this constant state of existence. Everything runs at, at the norm. And so we look at back at the norm of what we see today, and we project backwards, and we come up with the earth is umpteen billion years old, and life has evolved over umpteen million years, and all these things. Because we look at this, no change is happening. And we base our reality on the understanding that no change is happening. But in fact, the world is done like this. He says it was created by God out of water, by water. He destroyed the world. He's coming again. He's going to do it again, not by water, this time by a flood. And I'll back it up with scripture so you know I'm not just talking. <laughs> Uh, For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished, but by the same word the heaven and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept to the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And people, they, 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 they come along and they say, no, things exist in this state of continuity and nothing ever really changes. Where is this Jesus? What is happening? And we're saying, man, do you not see the signs? They're here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. They're here. They're, they're obvious. The problem is they're so obvious that we don't even see them because it's just part of the world that we live in. It's just part of the world that we look at, but we, we, it's like we don't read that language or something. We, you know, we all know when we see an octagonal sign on the road, you know, if, if the paint is all washed off and you, all you see is the octagonal shape, we still know what it means, right? But what if you didn't? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting shape sign <laughs> that I just drove past. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just to, to, if you're watching the signs, it's so obvious how we are on the verge of this happening, or I should say could be, as far as I can see, all the criteria are met, right? Doesn't mean it's going to happen today. You know, we've got grandkids over. I kind of hope he waits for the week, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in heaven we will be able to talk too, you know, we'll be able to play. They just might be a little heavy to bounce on my knee, uh. But, but, you know, so we can think of why we might not want it to come, but it can come. It's ready. It's going to come. Okay, back to Matthew 24. By the way, just in case you're wondering, I've told people this before, and I'm trying to be a good boy. My notes don't cause me to speak more. My notes are my leash. <laughs> and uh, you guys are, I'm off the leash, so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, So that's the good and faithful servant is the one that the master finds who hasn't fallen asleep, who hasn't said, you know what, I have this cush job and and I'm going to take advantage of it and I'm going to soak this thing in for the best I can. I'm going to use those gifts and abilities God gave me to serve me. And and this is is clearly, as I read this passage, it screams out at me that it's talking to the preacher. And, and, and the church authorities over the millennium, the two millennium, have, have certainly taken advantage of it in different situations. But, but while it screams at the preacher, I think it speaks of everybody. We have gifts and abilities that God has given us to serve him, to serve the body. But we can use them to serve ourselves if we're not careful, right? Uh, and, and Jesus, that when, what was the first, first temptation Jesus faced in the wilderness? turn these stones into bread and he says no man does not live by bread but by every uh, word that comes to the mouth of God why didn't he turn some bread and some stones into bread though he fasted 40 days he was done and he was hungry what's wrong with doing it I I think the answer is this he was not going to use his ability to serve himself that he and and he, he I think he believed that would have corrupted what he was there for Uh, And and so he was not going to do this. He was serving Christ by doing it. So that's the first thing is is don't do that. Then he gives this next parable. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, when they were all sleeping, (laughs) there was a cry. Uh Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since it will not be enough for for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy it. And by the way, short story, long story short, they were too late. And, And I don't think, you know, for the purpose of a parable, you know, one of the sayings about teaching a parable is don't try to make it walk on all fours, you know, every detail that may not work. The fact is you can't share, you can't give your oil to someone if you want to. You have to have your oil. What's the oil? The oil is the Holy Spirit. They all had lamps. They all looked like lamps. They all looked like they would burn. They all looked like the real thing, but only half of them were, because only half of them were spirit-filled, if I can use that phrase, right? Only half of them had oil. Uh, There's no faking it. Making it does not cut it. If you're in church because church is what you do and it makes you look good, and by the way, you're in a habit because you've done this since you were a small child, but you haven't come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have an empty lamp. Yeah, your lamp looks... By the way, amen. Yeah, amen. We had a discussion about amen. If you want, we decided at camp the definition of amen is yeah. <laughs> because because if, you're, if you're listening to a sermon... I do this. I was I, I, I sitting in church one day. I was listening to a sermon, and I said, amen. I thought, Amen. I don't say that anywhere else. Why do I say it? What does it mean? I'm, I'm agreeing with him. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah, at the end of your prayer, dear Jesus, God bless this food. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay, anyway, total distraction. I need my notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's too late for them. He follows that with the parable of the talents. Do you hear this? Bang, bang, bang. He's hitting that, ha- that nail. You've heard me say this before. How many times do you hit the nail? The answer is as many times as it takes, right? Some guys, they, they come in, they go, I can hit that nail once, bang, and wow, that's really cool. Some of us need to hit it a few more times. He's hitting this nail three times. He talks about, about the, the, the servant, the good and faithful servant who's... who's uh, Been entrusted with much. Then he talks about the the ten virgins. Then he tells the parable of the talents. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another uh, one, and each according to his ability. And again, long story short, he came back and the guy he'd given five was faithful with the five. The guy he'd given two was faithful with the two. But the guy he gave one went and buried that sucker so that it wouldn't get wasted, which wasted it. Exactly what he said he wouldn't do. And that one gets punished. And, and so what's he saying? He's saying, while we have time, let us not fall asleep. Let us not fall asleep at the wheel. Let us not doze off and become you know, victims of, of the routine, of the way we do things. Or, or simply fall. It's so easy to take care of yourself. And, and he's saying, don't do that. And, 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 and one more really good passage, and, and I will rein it in. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 24 and 25. And this is a... (laughs) The funny... I'm laughing because this is a verse for everybody who's not here today. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I'm sorry, 25 and 26. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not go- neglecting the meeting of ourselves together as is i'm sorry I'm, I'm reading it my esv and saying king james it's messing me up okay <laughs> and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day do- drawing near what do we do as we see the day drawing near we encourage one another we exhort one another. We try to keep one another on task. We, and, and more, the other side of that, maybe the stronger side, is not allowing each other to fall out to fall off, to, to slack off, to, to, to fall away, it, but, but to encourage one another. Don't you know the day is drawing near? Don't you know you want to be ready when he comes? Now, the funny thing is, is Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago. He says, as you see the day drawing near. Because you may be listening to these things I say as far as the signs. You say, you know, Steve, I, I'm glad you put the arrow there. I'm glad you're excited, but I'm moving it back here <laughs> somewhere. I think we got a lot of time. You may be right. But Paul said 2,000 years ago, as you see the day drawing near, be ready, be prepared, don't allow people to slack off. Uh, This is more than just fun for people who like prophecy. This subject is not just for those who like to play games with end times and get excited about it and, and look for signs in the, in the skies and, and wherever else we like to look for signs. Uh, this is more, not just that. I mean, if you want that, man, you got uh, volcanoes in Hawaii, you got earthquakes and wars, and, and you go, ooh, ooh, ooh. He says, don't get excited by those things. Those things are just the beginning of birth pangs right? Nations going to war with all those things. It's, it's hard to quantify that. It's hard because, you know, we go, yeah, yeah I see these things more than ever. Well, the, new, the world we're in is able to cover those things more than ever. You know, is it happening more or is it just that we're more aware of it? I don't know about that. But I know about these other things, and I see the sign coming. Whether you're excited about these things or not, whether you get off on these things, whether you think, man, this is just another one of those nutcases doing another prophecy thing that I get so tired of. Don't these guys ever talk about something uh, relevant? The answer is, we must live as if he's coming soon. Yeah, regardless. So. Uh, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Hope you are encouraged, and, and we'll live for Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you uh, for this subject, and and I thank you that you have given us so much of this, and and Lord, especially something I didn't even mention, that you win, and and we have great confidence in that. I praise you for the victory You, you do win. Father, whatever we might have to go through on the way to this victory, whatever hardship we might have to endure, let us press on and be faithful and true to you. I pray in Jesus' name.